Hello and welcome to Marketing Connected. I am your host, Janice Tan. Each week, we will speak with industry leaders on pertinent topics in the marketing and advertising scene across Southeast Asia remotely. Our guest for today is Cheryl Lim, Manulife's VP Head of Branding, Marketing, Communications and Sponsorship. She has been with the company for more than three years and has 15 years of experience. Cheryl will be sharing with us her journey in the marketing space, including the highs and lows, how the pandemic has changed her perception of marketing, and how marketers can still create eye-catching activations and memorable campaigns despite a limited budget. Hi Cheryl, thanks for joining us on the podcast. I'm glad you're able to be with us today. I wanted to speak with you because you are an influential figure in the industry and I thought, you know what, listeners should also hear from you too. Could you tell us a bit more about yourself and what you do at Life? So I look after brand and communications as well as sponsorship in Manulife, uh, end-to-end product marketing, internal comms, external comms, CSR, uh, all of that fall under me. Um, so that's what I do in Manulife Singapore. Wow, that's a very busy role you have right there, Cheryl. You have been doing a good job and the team vividly remembers Manulife winning the coveted Marketer of the Year Award during last year's Marketing Excellence Awards. What was that like for you? Wow, I mean, that was such a whirlwind affair. Um, it, we, we, we really didn't expect it because um, it is not often that an insurance company walks away with Marketer of the Year. And they were up against, we were up against a lot of big boys. So that was very, very competitive. But we felt, you know, we've got something good that's going on in terms of our work. Let's just try, right? I think the, the key part for us is uh, no regrets. We do what we can um, to make the brand stick, to engage. And, and we just try in terms of submissions to just see where it lands. And it was really a night to remember. That was such a fun night. Alcohol and old friends and... Yeah, I think the night passed so quickly. I, I couldn't really remember much except uh, going up on stage and drinking and drinking and uh, talking and drinking and drinking. Wow, that was definitely a night to remember, huh? Going back to you, Cheryl, you have learned the ropes of marketing the hard way and as a result, you have earned the right to be called one of the leading marketers in Asia. That said, your journey hasn't always been the smoothest. That's part of life, right? I mean, there will always be ups and downs. Could you share with us a little bit about your journey? Definitely. I think a lot of people, um, when they meet me, they, they see a certain persona, right? They see a personality, they see the persona of what I am today. But I think many, many people do not know what happened behind the scenes. A lot of failures, really um, pitfalls in the careers. Well, in one of my previous lifetimes in the previous, previous companies, um, I, I suppose it was a premature promotion for me. I wanted to go for a role to be the youngest marketing manager at the at that age and I, I got what I wanted um, when I left the job for another role but what didn't prepare me was the whole environment was something that is out of my depth I was prematurely promoted and I was out of my depth um, that's why I always tell the young folks you know be careful what you wish for um, sometimes it is really good to take it as it comes right but in that role um, it was it's a very big brand um, in the finance industry um, I really floundered. The first year when I was there, um, I did very badly. Um, first of all, I wasn't ready for the role. But you know, when you're young, you just go for it and you're just going to throw everything in there. And in the first year, it was really bad. I performed, um, realistically speaking, and is the truth, very badly. Um, had a, almost a band four 
Um, so for those who may not be aware, band four is really, um, band five, you're out of the company. Band four, you're kind of one foot out of the company. So I did very badly and truth be told, it was my fault. Um, and, and I remember at the time, the head of marketing for this very big brand in finance uh, told me that, you know, he, he called me up to say, Cheryl, um, you are not doing well. And neither of the team leads, um, the two AVPs, neither of the two AVPs wanted you and their team. And I think, you know, you, you really have to reload your options. Basically, a nice way of saying, you're not good enough for the job and you have to go, right? That's the, that's the long and short of it. And I looked at him and then I, I remember thinking to myself, um, can you give me one last chance? I know I haven't been performing well, which is the truth, right? I think it's important that where we are, we need to reflect and be self-aware to know if the feedback is coming from a good place where is it the truth or is it coming from another area, right? If it is the truth, then a lot of self-reflection and a lot of self-awareness is needed. So at that time, I knew that, uh, you know, I wasn't doing well. And I, I told him, I said, give me one more chance. I was so close to being uh, let go from, uh, from a marketing team of, of, of a financial in, uh, brand, right? And, and it was so close. And at the time, I remember thinking to myself, uh, I have one last shot uh, to make this work. Should I leave before they fire me, literally? Or should I go? And I thought to myself, let's just try this one last time. If he can give me one more chance, which thankfully he did, I'm going to make sure um, I do much, much, much better. So that was a really big pivotal turning point in my career. Because after that horrible, really, um, the, the, the confidence level was pit bottom. I even thought to myself at that time, am I good enough in marketing or should I switch jobs? Um, then I thought to myself, what else can I do? And I, none of the jobs in the other departments appealed. And I said, okay, you know what? I, I, I'm just going to try to hang in there in marketing and see where it lands me. So after that, I really tried. Um, I, I really got more serious in improving myself, making sure that my work is sharp, no careless mistakes, thinking strategically, making alliances within the company in terms of engaging the internal stakeholders. And then things started to turn around after that. So it was a very important role in my career because without it, I wouldn't have won, for example, the, the, the following year, the first FE's goal ever um, of that company, right? Which is a big testament for me and my team where I led that as well. So none of that um, successes that followed after could be without this, this really gut-wrenching and uh, uh, low part of my career. Thanks for sharing that. Now, outside of your career, you have traditionally been strong in marketing even when you were a student. So I'm sure it must have been heart-wrenching to go from being successful in something that you really love to not being sure where you were. What has that taught you about growth and who you are? It's interesting you mentioned that, Janice, because, you know, I came from uh, SMU back in the day and I almost flunked out again in SMU, literally, because I scored the same number of A-pluses as D minuses and those who understand what I'm saying is I almost flunked out because in my first year um, again same thing I, I scored really badly with all the calculus and finance and accounting and all the stuff that I'm really bad at and I really tried I really tried but I told myself at the time in SMU um, you know I'm just gonna aim to at least get an upper second second lower in terms of uh, my, my honors and it was hard because for us it's an accumulation of, of scoring system right so if in year one, you're almost flunking out. Can you imagine the number of um, grades you need to score really, really well in year 
two, three, and four, which is harder as you go along, to pull up the grade, to even meet a second lower, which was really hard. And somehow I managed to do it. And it's quite, I'm quite thankful because I've got a bunch of friends who helped me along the way. But really, I think this is a, it's a real story of, uh, you know, wrecks the witches in the academic way of, of career and school where somehow life works out well. And I think all this pans into the growth of a marketer for me because I've been through the lowest of low, right? I almost got flunked out in year one of SMU and it's embarrassing because all my friends, um, all of them were seemingly great at their, at their, at their exams and, and their tests, except for me. Um, but when I graduated, the answer is yes, I did score uh, uh, the, the bare minimum, if you will, uh, for honours, which is, which is great. Um, same thing again in the, in the career expect, the growth, of course, was through all the lessons that I had, and it could never have been if none of the pitfalls and setbacks, setbacks happened. So it's a blessing in disguise. It is what causes the growth of a marketer in terms of the mindset, in terms of being able to adjust, being able to say my back is against the wall, but what can I do to fight? How do I fight in a way that um, we work smart and not just work hard? Because when you're in a losing game, if you're just gonna work hard, nothing is going to change because you've already been working hard and you've been failing or you're, you're going to be you know, out of the game. So it forces you to work smart. And that is something that I hold very dear to my heart. I always tell my folks and myself, yes, for sure we need to work hard. That's a fundamental given, one-on-one, for sure, hygiene factor. But what's more important than working hard is how do we work smart, which means how do we identify the big wins? How do we you know, differentiate the big wins from the BAU small wins because everything is urgent. How do we prioritize? And on top of prioritizing that, in terms of strategy, how do we make the big wins really big with the pathetic budget that we have or with the pathetic resources that we have so that it seemingly looks like it's such a big masterpiece when actually behind the scenes, um, the resources in terms of budget and headcount is really not what it looks like, right? Smoke and mirrors, for example, right? But how do you create that illusion of a very strong uh, uh, piece of work, right? So it's about working smart, not just working hard. And I think that's a key takeaway uh, for a lot of people who think that, you know, just working hard is good enough. I think we live in a world where customers' expectations are very high. Uh, we live in a world where brands no longer have control. The control of brand lies in the hands of the consumer. So because of that, the working hard is important, but the working smart is even more important. I think you're spot on about that. And that was actually one of the questions I had for you. When people look at Manulife, for example, they would think, wow, you guys are a big brand with big budgets. So of course, you can create such campaigns and activations, right? So what advice do you have for marketers who look at you guys and feel inspired, but don't have the same type of budgets? It's, it's a very, very good question because not many people know this as well. Um, the budgets that we have, when I'm in manual life, is exactly the same budgets of the previous team before me, uh, before my era and my dynasty, right? So it's, it's, it's exactly the same budgets that we have. It's exactly what we're playing with in terms of the assets that we have. But the question then is, um, how do we make the best of what we have in a way that's smart, right? So coming back to working hard. And from there, we thought to ourselves, okay, what do we want to stand for? When you talk about what a brand stands for, it doesn't mean um, it has to be one tonality or the other. As long as the emotion that you feel is something that is uniquely to the brand, I think that is strong enough for us, right? So first of which, we, we made the effort to 
identify to ourselves and the brand, what do we want to be like in the eyes of the consumer? And then from there, the working smart took place in terms of, okay, how do we um, strategize in a way that with our very, very small budget and resources, the level of, um, you know, the level of perception of the campaign work that we do, it is elevated in a way that it looks like a big brand, a big MNC that has 30 people, 20 people in the room working hard, multi-million dollar budget, which is not what we have. Right? But how do we create that perception and resonate and engage with the consumers in a way that they find it refreshing and different and fun, yet something educational depending on the campaign. So all this is the perception that we, we, we give and I'm glad that people think so, which means what we're doing is correct because the truth is back end, um, the budgets that we have is a fraction. Um, the team size and the resources of what we have is also a fraction of what uh, most of the competitors and other people uh, have as well. But it's fine. I think that is the fun part of the work we do. How has the pandemic changed your marketing? I think the p- pandemic has changed a lot of people's perception where people are giving very knee-jerk reactions to pull budgets. And the only budgets that are going out are very tactical in nature, Right. But what's important for all marketers to remember is we, we, we must have a balance between the brand story as well as the tactical of the products and promotions. It is very easy to say, you know what, now it's all about just getting the leads in only, so tactical, tactical, tactical. And then that kind of lopsides the whole balance in a way that makes it very uh, unbalanced. And short term, yes, that's fine, right? But in a medium to long term, it's going to be very difficult to uh, compensate the time that has lost where you did too much tacticals at any one time. And on top of that, in people's mind, it's like, wow, suddenly you're changing your message to be so tactical in weightage. Promotions after promotions, coupons after coupons only. Not saying it's wrong. For sure, we need that side of the business. I'm talking about the balance. So I think the pandemic bit is, is crucial where um, we can convince management uh, and ourselves and our team where we have to find a balance that appeases the situation we're in, but at the same time, we don't lose the identity that the brand has built over the last few years or even decades or even a century, depending on how old the brand and established the brand is, right? Because what we do in the short term does have a very long-term impact. So I think that's just a friendly reminder in terms of getting ourselves too thrown into the pandemic, um, but at the same time, being able to step back and think, Going back to your strategy at the back of your mind, knowing that what you do has a short-term but a long-term impact as well. And how do you make sure that you find that balance even in the current pandemic? I think that's crucial. Yeah. We know a lot about you and your thoughts on marketing through the articles and interviews that we have done. So let's delve into something more personal, shall we? Who would you say would have been a big mentor to you in the world of marketing and understanding this industry? Wow, that's a very big question. Uh, mentors, I, I don't have a marketing mentor, I have, a, I have business mentors and I think it's important because we need to understand the business better for us as marketers to, to marry the two to, together very, very well. In terms of mentors in the expect, I would have to say Li Chu, uh, my ex-boss at Manulife, um, being able to see the business from a, her, her, her perspective and as well as being able to um, present what I have and share the ideas and to see where the business 
and the marketing need to form a very effective campaigns, I think it will be her. Um, I have another mentor back in the day, the first boss who believed in me, um, he was the turnaround in the company that I was really floundering because he came after that, that boss who gave me a bad grade. It is Melvin Lim. Mel Melvin was the first boss who believed in me when nobody did. And it was him that I redefined or defined me as a marketer to be somebody who is brave, who, who is able to take risk, calculated risk that's effective for um, the, the audience and the business objectives that we need to go. So I would say these two are my main mentors who taught me different things, of course. Being a relatively young leader, how do you describe your management style? Yeah, it's, a, it's another interesting question because as leaders, um, a young leader faces a different set of problems uh, from a very, very established, uh, you know, much more senior in terms of years of experience and not just age, but as years of experience. As a young leader, I, 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 find, I found it difficult at the very start to work with uh, staff that are much older than me. But I think at the end of the day, the respect is earned. Remember that respect is never demanded, it is earned, right? And people are sensitive enough and sensible enough to know when your intentions are right, um, when your heart is in the right place. You are tough. I am as, I'm really tough at times and I feel sorry for my staff. I'm tough, but I hope they know and I, and I think they know that the intentions are good and I want to make them grow better and I want to make them grow faster and I want to groom them to be, you know, the next in line whenever it happens. So I'm quite tough in the expect. But people do know when your intentions are good, right? The way you behave, the way your thoughts, the way you speak to them with respect, with humility. Um, so it does go a long way. So over time, um, respect is earned and... It, after all, it's just work and it's nothing personal. I think that's the key part. You know, whether it's age, gender, race, doesn't really matter. But it's nothing personal. It's just work. And you treat respect and humility and it goes a very long way. Thanks for joining us on today's show, Cheryl. Before we wrap up, what is one piece of advice you have for our listeners? One piece of advice is always know who your target audience is whether you're speaking to a CEO, whether you're speaking to your staff, whether you're speaking to the public, what is, what is one thing they care most about? And then you engage and, and uh, customize your speech and your presentation or whatever to what they care about, not what you care about, but what they care about. I think that has, has always been my guiding principle all through the years. So it has helped me a lot and hopefully that's something that I can pass on to somebody else who may find it useful. Thank you for listening to Marketing Connected. I am your host, Janice Tan, and we will be back next week with another session. If you wish to learn about innovation and digital transformation for your business, visit our webinars page at webinars.marketing-interactive.com. Once there, you will have a whole range of topics to choose from which will best aid your business needs. The Marketing Connected series is produced by Marketing Interactive.